0: Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. We're here this week with Jesse Rivera. He's a comic and a podcaster. He's out of Sacramento. He's hilarious. And I'm really glad to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Hey, thanks for having me. I was try- I was
1: trying to remember to, uh, I-, I have an OG uh, Fat Chicks on Top coffee cup. Sweet. Um, but uh, I-, I was going to grab it. But of course, I was running late. So uh, no coffee for me right now.
0: Uh, oh, well, you can have coffee later.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely having coffee later. Yeah, today's a long day, so.
0: Yeah, today's your one of your big recording days, right? Well, I'm not recording today, but tonight I have a
1: show tonight at seven, and then another one at ten. I took a long, I took a nice long nap, like from ten in the morning to one in the afternoon. I, I should be ready for. I was, I was I was starting it like with today. I'm like I'm I'm on go as of three thirty today, mm-hmm. so.
0: There you go. Well, and taking a nap now is a regular thing after 40 to prepare for evening shows, right? When I have a show, definitely a nap
1: is involved. Uh, But for the most part, I'm not a napper. But uh, when I know I'm going to need that extra boost, uh, definitely a nap and uh, some good clean eating and uh, a banana and coffee.
0: That sounds like a good call. So since you have the show tonight, one of them is Dear Abby, what WTF, correct? Yes dear Abby WTF yes this is a f- relatively new venture you started it in November or December last year right This is our fourth show so yes absolutely brand new What is dear Abby WTF So d- <laughs> I, uh, I
1: I have this uh, this ongoing fascination with just pop, pop culture and like looking at like what life was like in the 70s I like to to joke around and I call my uh, my pet name for the 70s is undiagnosed. 70s <laughs> <laughs> was just like undiagnosed alcoholism undiagnosed ADhD just like you know uh let's just medicate that with uh booze and uh I I uh I, I crack up or I cringe at some of the some of the advice that people used to write in for dear Abby about like just like oh dear Abby, uh, my husband's sex appetite is insatiable Oh, uh, he wants it more than once a week. What am I to do? You know, and then the advice that she would give back, you know, like, well, tell your husband that you work really hard. And yeah, and it's just like, you know, but it still never really strays too far from now. Don't forget, you are the wife, and he is the husband. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So uh what dear Abby WTF is is uh we 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 scrounged the internet for three or four dear Abby letters from the late 60s, early 70s and we're just like, and we just riff on what uh, like thank God the last episode uh one of the the funnest letters was a lady she could not keep her husband uh, her husband was jealous and was swore she was having an affair. So to please him, she was writing it to dear Abby asking if she knew, where she can get a chastity belt because wow. this, this was the only thing that could possibly save her marriage to prove to her husband. And another writer wrote in and said, she's absolutely right. My husband and I made our own chastity belt and it saved our marriage. And wow. uh, she talked about that. Uh, she went into detail of like how he he, typed, he basically cinched her up from the waist up uh, when he left for work and then came home at lunch to undo her so she could use the bathroom. And, and then, and she said, yeah, it saved our marriage. I, I wish for luck. So that kind of stuff of like, wow, we were living, we are living in the dark ages, like, you know, in our lifetime, well in my lifetime, you know, definitely.
0: Yeah. I I knew dear Abby got some of those sex letters. I had never seen it go that deep. That is remarkable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think this week, I can't remember if I picked it for this week. There's one about, a mom is snooping through her son's bedroom and finds a letter he wrote to a cousin saying, all I want to do is smoke weed. In that, in that <laughs> and she's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I'm like, sounds like a good kid right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a pretty normal teenage yeah, life.
1: You did your job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Co-hosted with Nicole Eichenberg. It's at Stab Comedy Theater. Uh, it streams live. So if if your followers follow Stab, they can, they're they're always streaming great content. Uh, You know that,
0: you know? Yeah. I love Stab. I love Stab. You grew up in the seventies. You and I are about the same age. We're just a couple of years apart. Were you raised with that very traditional approach to marriage and gender roles and all of that in your family? Yeah. And to top it off, I'm I'm Mexican. I'm the youngest Mexican.
1: So like, I barely served myself my first plate of food, when, like when I moved. <laughs> when I moved away from my family, like it's just like, you, I mean, you've met me. I'm not a horrible person. Like I'm a decent fella, right? But right. I don't, I, I don't raise my hand when I'm back home in Bakersfield. Like I don't, I don't get. It is just brought. It's just like, you know, I try to, and it's just, it's just not, and. Yeah, yeah, I was raised in a traditional uh, type of uh, you know, the, and the gender roles, of course, you know, the 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 men the men fix stuff and the and the women make food and clean up. I, I can say we're we're fairly progressive now, like when I when I look around, like my family, but it's still very much. I I don't even want to just say my family. What when, when I the the people I grew up with and I look around, we're, we're kind of progressive. It looks like you know the, the the second and third generation of us is is going in the right direction. But uh, yeah, we were definitely raised in that that type of environment.
0: Being raised in that type of environment, but working with comics, especially young comics who come up with the, everybody has now varying of various genders and identities and how they want to be interact. Like it, it's a lot to navigate. How is it being somebody who has a little perspective and a little life under their belt, working with some of the younger comics?
1: I definitely feel like the grumpy old man (laughs) so many times and uh, I have to stop myself from, uh, from just being like, well, what are you crying about? (laughs) You know, uh, type of thing. Um, Like I'm fat. I don't know what you're crying about. You know, uh, (laughs) overall though, like the the biggest thing I see is like the, the work ethic of Mm -hmm. like, you know, nothing was ever given to us. I see a couple of them, not all of them. Right. I'm, I'm not going to say that all of Gen X or all of the millennials. Cause there are definitely some hustlers, but there are definitely some like, well, it's, it's my turn. Right. Like I get to go and like, they didn't laugh at me. I'm like, well, you weren't funny. Like, you know, or like, well, how come, uh, like I can write it, like it's freedom of speech. I can write a joke about whatever I want. You can, but we don't have to laugh at your, yeah. you know, kind of rapey concept there that you just brought up or that, that kind of racist rant that like went nowhere. You know, like, um, yeah, definitely. We it's free speech, and I, I, you know, I'm definitely free speech and and anti anti censorship. But at the same time, like, don't get the laugh at the expense of someone else. Right? Is really what uh, I've had to learn, and what I see, what I still see a lot of in some of the in some of the younger cats.
0: Yeah, I still see a lot of it too. And you talk about not getting it at the expense of somebody else. But I've also talked to you before about getting the laugh at the expense of yourself. Yeah. How you approach, how you've approached your body and jokes around being bigger has changed, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I first started doing comedy, I was like, "Well, oh, I'm going to be like a Seinfeld comic go like, what's the deal with home improvement or what's the deal? With <laughs> like I didn't, I couldn't, I mean, I, I think I wrote a couple of funny jokes, not, not a lot of great ones, but it really, I didn't, like, I didn't want to talk about that. Like, well, I wanted to talk about myself mm-hmm. you know. and uh Teal Morgan was really one of the guys who helped me out and was like, he was like, I mean, these weren't his exact words, but what he was basically trying to tell me, he's like, look, you got to talk about the first thing that they notice about you. And I'm pretty sure I know what's the first thing they're going to notice about you. And if you don't address it, you're kind of like, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, you know? then once Aliada opened the door with invisible disabilities and her and I, her and I were already really good friends. And like, we had like a, you know, we, we talked one night about, cause I was like, well, I don't, I don't see it as like, I don't have like a disability, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely have disability. Like there's definitely many aspects in life that I, I that I cannot enjoy because of my size. And so, I wanted to bring that perspective to it. She's like, absolutely do it. And once I, I went into that safe space, when once I was able to write those jokes and go into that safe space and do them there, then it was like, okay, I, I can do this, you know, and not, not self-deprecate. Cause that was, was not the thing that some of my friends, like some of my really, really close friends back home in Bakersfield were like, I don't, I don't want to hear you doing jokes like that about yourself. And I'm like, I had to walk through that, you know?
0: Yeah. Like yeah. don't
1: have to walk through
0: it how is it in changing the way you're writing jokes because I, I, again i'm I'm bigger, and I got the same advice from another experienced comic is you've got to address the way you look because that's oh. when I walk on stage, I'm covered in tattoos. I'm bigger. There's no way the audience isn't that's the first thing that they see, right? Oh. How has changing the way you've approached writing those jokes changed your own relationship with your body? you know i i I guess
1: I'm really lucky in the fact that. At where, where I'm at in, in my point, in, in the point in my life where like, I, I am accepting of my body, and I know, like, what, what, what limitations I have, and what, what I can still strive for, and, and what I can still improve and still fix. It's really helped me embrace, even embrace it even more, you know, I was only, you know, I, it's only been like, in the last 10 years that I'm not just like, well, you know, I suffered with addiction, like, up until I was like 35, where like, and 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 then even after that, I still even after I, I stopped like hard drugs, I still, I still drank heavily. Like I was still in self destruct mode, is I guess what I'm trying to say, like, I was still like, really trying to destroy myself. And I kind of found comedy, after I found loving myself. So uh, it's I'm okay with it. Like, I can like, 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 I love my like, I'm putting my arm around myself saying, it's okay, let's write these jokes, you know,
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Being older, have you found that age makes a difference as well? Or was aging just part of it just happened or does being older at different age points change the way you've looked at the world, change the way you've looked at yourself? Mm Oh, definitely.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I like my approach to life right now is like, God damn, I'm running out of time. I got to do this, (laughs) you know? Uh, when I was young I was like oh I'll get to it someday you know but now I'm like well let's let's do that podcast let's let's do that show let's 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 try it you know let's let's do it you know
0: because we can't we can't wait and in getting out there I mean you've put yourself out for a lot you have what three podcasts going now simultaneously and at least two shows regular shows it's
1: it's I keep it all under the same, like it's all pub, like the podcasts are published under the same umbrella of Jesse Rivera likes to talk, but yeah, I do love doing the top five podcasts and even in the, like, even like branching away from the top five podcasts we do, we're going to start. Well, like Lindy West and I are doing like beastie boy podcasts. I'm working with somebody else right now about doing um, an Alanis Morissette podcast. Nice. And I want it. Cause I like, I want to do deep dives into specific albums of just like, I don't know if it's going to be like track by track or like, just like uh, what it meant to us when we were 25 versus what it means to us now that we're 50. Cause there's albums that are that old, right. And there's, there's like albums that like I've grown up with, like Jane's addictions, nothing shocking, or like uh, the beastie boys, uh, hello nasty that, you know, they, they meant something to me when I was 25, they still mean, uh, something that important, they're still that important to me at 50, but in a in a different perspective, you know, I don't even know where, what the question was
0: anymore. <laughs> just how things have changed as you've aged. Music obviously is a big part of your life. You know, you've got your Guns and Roses behind you. We did yeah. the Top Five Christmas Songs uh, episode together. What music now at 50 is speaking to you?
1: Not, not a lot of the new music, but that's just me being a grumpy old man, mm-hmm. you know, I'm revisiting, like, now I'm, like, really, like, dissecting what was going on in the 80s as far as, like, synth pop versus, like, pop uh, versus, like, shoegaze. And, like, really, like, I'm really picking that apart, you know? But, like, for example, Tears for Fears put out a new record. So Tears for Fears put out a new record, and uh, I picked it up, and, you know, so, so here's two examples of that: tears for fears, and then there was a there was a pop band in the early '90s named Belly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who did the song "Feed the Trees." You you can bookend like 25 years of life, like they like they wrote those those first albums when they were just, like young and like you know experimental and like let's try this, and now they're putting out albums where they're like life is short. I, I've lost great friends. I, I've I've learned life lessons but i wouldn't change a damn thing about it you know but like current like i i love lady gaga i think lady gaga is the david bowie of this time absolutely um, i love taylor swift i'm not i'm not at all i have like three copies of like some of her albums just, <laughs> just like, i mean i i love i love taylor swift my you know one of my nieces is the one who pointed it out to me like and we were we were driving one night uh, from my house to uh, to the casino out there. And where's the casino? In Rock. But that one, you know, yeah. it's been to where they have concerts. At. We we're driving out one day. And, of course, like I was in charge of the music. And my niece said, you know, you just love pop music. That's all there is to it. It's like you love pop. And it's, it's, she's absolutely right. Because, like, you know, Mariah Carey, Madonna, Taylor Swift. It's just a great pop song. haul of Notes. If it's catchy and it's just like Maggie Rogers is another great uh, newer artist that I love, but it's, I'm a hard sell on these new artists because there's so much great old music <laughs> that I don't really go looking for new music a
0: lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You grew up in Bakersfield and yeah. the areas around there. <laughs> yeah. How did growing up in California's Central Valley in the 70s and 80s shape? You think how you approach the world today, how you see the world, because it's a very unique area of the country. And-
1: well, and look, looking back at it now, like uh, like at at, t- at Kern County today, I call it Little Orange County. You know, it's like half the size. All the racism, people say that Sacramento can be just as racist, but I can I can avoid like in Sacramento, like. I know where I'm going. Like, I've been here like eight years. I, I know what parts of town I like, and I know what parts of town give me the heebie-jeebies. In Bakersfield, I can't avoid it no matter what part of town I'm in. I feel that mental that good old boy mentality looking over my shoulder of, like, you better not do that. You know, <laughs> like you can't, you can't avoid that in Bakersfield, but in Sacramento, you can't. I think just growing up in Bakersfield, like, or growing up in Kern County, I grew up in Lamont, Bakersfield, same thing. It's like, I had no idea how black and white a world I lived in. And it's not, not even my world wasn't even black and white. My world was brown and white. Like I went to Arvin high school, it was like 75% Latino, like the rest was white. And there was like two black kids, you know, I I, you know, like people like make, you know, people call each other out of like, you have one black friend. I'm like, I really do have one black because I did not grow up like around like black people. I, I did it. Yeah. It wasn't really until like I got a job in a call center that then I was like in the melting pot of like everything lower class of Kern County, right? Because you know what a call center is like. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not the the top of the, of the job tier, but like anybody can get a job at a call center it's very black and white in current County. It's, it's very, very, very much divided. It is, it is a, it is a red County that you can't get away from that. It's there.
0: Do you feel a need to address that type of politics in your, in your humor, in what you do, or is comedy a way to escape some of that?
1: No, I don't, I don't feel the need to like, like I'll make some jokes about Bakersfield, but how I address that at, at my age is like, they don't get none of my money, you know? Yeah. Like my money is spent uh in North Sacramento, my money is spent at stab, at comedy spot, at laughs unlimited, at punchline. Like that that's how I address it now. Like, I I don't buy from from these people that I mean, I don't go so far as like, well, I mean, I don't even like Chick-fil-A, right? But like I don't go so far as to like, well, I don't shop here, I don't shop there, but just like you know, when I want, when I want something to eat, I, I'll buy it here in, in on my side of town, like, you know, and like I donate and I do what I can. I don't, I don't feel the need to address it in my, in my comedy. It comes yeah. up yeah. when it, when it needs to, but it's not.
0: I'm not not going to be central.
1: I'm not like a Lewis Black or is that his name? Yeah. Like yeah. they just made their career. Dennis Miller, you know, they yeah. just make their career on that. Nah.
0: yeah. So let's talk about a couple of your other projects. You have the telenovela show looks like it may come it was gone for a while and maybe coming back if I'm reading yeah, that right.
1: I don't know. It it, it was gone, but, but it was gone with the pandemic when everything was gone. And then it, it came back, but it came back like at a weird time of the pandemic. It came back when like season two of the pandemic was just getting its legs so like right now it's kind of on a hiatus, like we don't know where, where to go with it, like it's like there's so many great shows at the Sacramento Comedy Spot, it's hard for us to get a decent time slot there, and there's also like, the thing about Telenovela is like, God darn it, if I didn't end up casting some of the best improvisers in Sacramento on that show, like they've got so many other projects, so if we, if we can... Pull together a show at the comedy spot at the right day at right time, like I'll do it again. Like right now, there's no telenovela on the calendar. It was still a man, I'm so proud of that show. And I'm so proud of our you know, we we won Best New Recurring 1030 show. And it was the it was the first show that we ever thought of. Like, you know, I sent the idea to Emily Peterson and she's like, Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And I really want to thank Emily for that because like every time until a novella that I wanted to do um, safe and and easy, like Emily dared me to do it bigger and like no we can't do it. And I was like, no, there's like too many. Like I I'm very I'm very uh, I'm a very functional type person. I'm like it's too many chance for errors. Let's not do that. And she's like, no, we're gonna do it. It was a great learning experience, and I and I met so many great people. And and we I'm sure that it looks like we did all the right things, but we did we made so many mistakes. <laughs> behind the scenes of like, well, but I mean, I love it, you know, but it's it's on the back burner for
0: right now. And then you have your various podcasts going on. Do you have a favorite of all of them or are they like your children? You love them all equally, but differently.
1: The top fives are so much fun because I kind of can, I can take a back seat and just put it in like cruise control. I let other people talk. That's that's great. And let other people come up with content for it. But I think like my favorite podcast that we've done, I, I really loved the top five. The top five Seinfeld's episodes was so much fun. I want to go back and do more of that's the thing. But like I put together a great lineup for top five female SNL cast members. That was like Michelle Petro, Lindsay Monday and Charlotte Horror. Oh my gosh, like they were, and those three ladies are like three of the best improvisers like I've ever seen in my life. Like, but then again, I've only been watching improv like 10 years, but anyway, I knew, I knew that they had to have been inspired by all of those great SNL cast members of the nineties. And they absolutely were, they worshiped Kate McKinnon. And so hearing, seeing like how inspiring those women were to these women was so much fun that we wanted to do a lot more Saturday night live themed podcasts. I think we'll, we'll revisit it someday. I mean, that's the thing is like, they're, they're, they're out there. We could do them, you know?
0: And you also have Jesse Rivera likes to talk where you just bring on other comics and yeah. And yeah. Those are, shit.
1: those are fun. And those are that, those have been great. in in just getting to know comics, like outside of the open mic, they were hard. I mean, I, I kept them going during the pandemic and, but now we're, we're doing them again back here in the house. I just posted Regina Gibbons this week. I've got text conversations going on with like a uh, buddy ramming, uh, Rico the Great right now. So, though they're going to be a uh, guests uh, pretty soon. I'm always trying to track Ivy Cordova down if I can catch her in town. Um, you know, that that's going to happen. Yeah, the Jess Rivera likes to talk that, those are just so much fun to get, especially like. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when I got to talk with Regina Givens is hearing her tell me like her story of like 11 years of comedy in Sacramento. It's just like, it's so great to hear those stories and hear, you know, her perspective on what, what touch of class is to her, like the touch of class showcase mic that goes on every Sunday of like, you know, you got to bring your a game and like, you know, that's a tough room.
0: Touch is a very unique open mic. In 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 the area when you've performed, what has been your experience there versus at you know most of the other open mics? Because touch is a very, it has a different audience, it has a different feel. It's late night, like people come for good comedy, like they come for a real show. So, what has been your experience?
1: It's it's never been horrible for me. It's never been horrible. I've never crushed at touch a class, but I've also never done like I've seen other folks do. Horrible at touch, and they're they just, I god, it just sucks the life out of you. It just like to see the the, the life go out of that room, just to see it slowly, and you just see your friend up there, just like you, you see the beads of sweat, and they're like they're not laughing, they're not gonna laugh at that.
0: <laughs> you know, oh, there's, there's a special level of hell when you bomb at touch a class, it, it hurts your soul in the way that no other open mic in the area hurts, I think, yeah,
1: because you hear. The, like how you say those people come to laugh like you hear the laughter and you 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 feel that room and you're like oh my god this room is so alive they're just eating it up and you go up there and it's like crickets you're like well where's it at <laughs> you can't bring it homie like you know but other open mics uh, the stakes aren't that high yeah you know so you could go up there and just like riff an idea so like that's what's kind of cool about these other open mics on the why stakes are very low there. But like I'm in love will be there. Robert Barry will be there. So you could air out some stuff and just to get an idea, then you'll get, you know, you catch like Robert and I'm in love talking to you about it after the set. Like, well, I like this. I like this. You can go here with that. So t- touch is where you go to, to like really work stuff out that you think like that, you know, is already doing good, but you need to like get it away from your, from your regular demographic audience. You need to take it like a real audience that's what touch is for it. but these other mics are for like just kind of you know riffing and and getting some premises out there and seeing if they got legs on them
0: yeah i i totally agree and and touch is one of those places where it's more audience members than comics in the audience has been my experience yes, which yeah, is a different yeah, we, different type of room to play for an open mic
1: yeah yeah you're you're playing for the you're playing for the front of the house not the back of the
0: house so when you're thinking about Jesse Rivera likes to talk. Do you have like your top five dream guests? If you could sit down with five comics, three comics for an hour and talk to them. who would? You
1: I want to ch- get Jesse Rivera likes to talk to a place. No, and I don't, I don't have dream guests because like, I think I've talked to everyone in Sacramento that I want to talk to. But like, I'm still chasing Rico the Great, right? And a couple of others, uh, greats that like, We've talked and it it hasn't happened. I've had Carlos Rodriguez on. You know, I've had, well, Saul Trujillo, that hasn't happened yet. Almost happened one time last year, but it just didn't happen.
0: See, and I want to listen to you and Saul for an hour. Like, that would be a bomb show. That would be so great.
1: Yeah, uh, he is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Jesse Rivera likes to talk recognizable enough to where when – a comic comes into punchline to do thursday friday saturday sunday i could uh, i could approach them and say hey can you come to my house on a saturday afternoon and let's let's knock out a podcast i mean i live five minutes away from punch i'll go pick you up i'll bring you over here we'll we'll go get some good tacos i'll make you some bomb ass coffee that that's kind of like where i want that's the like the next level i want just where i like to talk to be because then i could grab these these, these comics that are, that are filling these types of rooms. And then, um, you know, cause these, are these comics hitting these rooms are like 18 months away from like the, the huge, like, you know, from the Netflix. So we had like Irene too was mm-hmm. just here in Sacramento and she's, she's about to drop a Netflix special. I believe it's Netflix. I, I could be wrong, but I know, I, I know i I already pre-ordered her record. She's actually putting out her special on vinyl. I pre-ordered it the other day.
0: And you are a big vinyl aficionado, correct? Oh, I want to say aficionado. I, I,
1: no, okay, we can say that because I, I love my, like, there's a genre that I love and that I will absolutely, I absolutely, yeah, I geek out on vinyl stuff. It's probably 50% of my uh, leisure YouTube streaming is watching uh, guys or girls just like doing videos of like, so this is a blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is a blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> I and I will just sit there with my cup of coffee, just like screaming shit like, oh my God, in the shrink with the hype. Look at that. BG and the dead wax. Like screaming these things that no one has any idea what they mean, but only to like another vinyl enthusiast. They'd be like, wow, with the hype, Chris Bellman, what? And, uh, on a record, the little, on a record, the, right. the, the all of these numbers in here identify like what pressing it was at the plant like who made the, the like there's like so they're, they're like celebrity status of people that are like oh you want a bernie Grundman pressing of that record you want you know oh you got the wally pressing of that record that's the stuff i chase nowadays there's a certain era of pink floyd that i love like the later era of Pink Floyd. The, Probably the the nobody really likes, but I like it. I chase Depeche Mode, I chase The Cure, all of that stuff. I want,
0: and then in my little chang I love your little dog. He's so cute. How old is he? She. She. Uh, she identifies
1: as she. <laughs> uh, in September she turned three. So October, November, December, January, February. So she's like three and a half. But I've had her since she was two months old. Aww. Yeah.
0: Have you always been a dog person? No. No, I mean, I've
1: always liked dogs, but I never thought that I would be that dog person. No, I don't. I, I never thought that was going to happen, but, um, I, I got a dog just like out of convenience. Like, you know, I was kind of going a little bit crazy in the stir and, uh, Aliada helped me find my first dog Paisley. And we were, I mean, me and Paisley were best friends. And like, I remember like, I used to like tease, but like, my, my sister's a big dog person I used to, like, kind of tease her, like, oh, my God, you're still sad about your dog dying? Like, come on, get over it. Like, I totally get it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely, like, Penelope's my best friend, yeah. Aw,
0: what, what transitioned you to be a dog? Was it just having one, or was it a specific dog that made you fall in love with it them? It was just
1: having one, like, just having one and then just seeing their dependency on you and, like, just seeing, like, how, like, their mood influenced your mood and your mood influenced their mood like I remember especially with like, like I got Paisley at a time where like I was finishing uh university of Phoenix. So like I got Paisley at a time where like I would be like in front of a computer from Thursday till Sunday, just trying to finish my schoolwork. I remember like on days where like I would be absolutely stressed about an assignment and I would look over at her and I would see that she was stressed too. And I'm like, Oh wait, this ain't fair. So take a break and we'd go outside and like, she would cheer up and I would cheer up. But if I hadn't uh, noticed that, like I would have just stayed in that. Yeah. You know, I would have stayed spiraling, you know?
0: So you went back to school in your forties to get a degree in psychology, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: What was it like going back as an older student?
1: I went to university of Phoenix because I had I wanted to go back for a long time. I had, I had met I'd made a lot of, a lot of my friends were going back to school and the older ones were telling me like university of Phoenix is the way to do it. And so like, at University of Phoenix, uh, like, I wasn't considered like the old student. Like it was like I was like the average age student, and like everyone was like me. Like they worked all day, so it wasn't like all of these like you know what you would see like in a, in a college uh, movie about you know in a movie about college. Oh, wow. Now like it was now it was all a bunch of old folks, and we we're all tired, and we we're all like learning Excel and learn, like learning how to do PowerPoint. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. I made. Even like I started on on campus and I I transitioned to online, I still managed to make a couple of really good friends um, that I'm still friends with today.
0: And how did getting the degree in psych, did it change the way you thought about stuff, the way you analyze stuff and how so? Absolutely. Absolutely. The most important
1: thing that I learned in psychology, it's kind of like like this one, two thing is that like, it takes a village and find your tribe. I mean, I love my family. I love my brothers and sisters, but do we, like, we support each other and we get each other through, especially like, you know, my mom passed away like about six months ago. I don't even know how long ago it was anymore. And we got each other through that. Like we carried each other through that. Right. But I don't bounce joke ideas off my brother. Well, one of my sisters kind of, but they're not my tribe. They're my family, but they're not my daily. I need your energy people. It takes a village and find your tribe. Find your tribe. And then also it takes a village. Like I've accepted and I've embraced and I absolutely understand that we all have a role to play in within our tribe. Like I don't always want to be the one that like gives the advice to somebody, but it needs to come from me or they're not going to believe it. If they're in my tribe, right? Mm -hmm. And within my tribe, like I I need to be the one that set the example or to. Correct someone or to ask for help. I think you could help me with this. You know, uh, wh- why am I asking you for help? Because I've seen your experiences in dealing with this, or like I've seen your, you know, the results of, of your hard work in this. So I'm coming to you because you're in my tribe and like this is the role you play. I, those are like absolutely at a time in my life where like I was like really like just trying to find myself and understanding like. I don't have to be best friend with my brother. Like I could support my brother and I could love my brother and I could, I could be there for him, but I don't have to necessarily be, you know, and I just said brother out of, mm-hmm. out of thin mm-hmm. air, yeah. you know, it's like there's your family, then there's your family and uh, accepting that and understanding that and then understanding your role within that family. I think is super important.
0: How did you end up finding your tribe or have you found it yet?
1: I think I'm finding it right now. Like little by little, there's just like these people. I, and I, I will straight up like tell somebody like, I need your energy right now. Like, I, I I just need you around me right now. Can we just go, let's just go get a coffee or just just come over. I need I need to recharge, you know, or I need to let this out. Or like one, a couple of friends in particular will just call me and they'll just like, I just need to talk to you for like 10 minutes. Let's just Like, what up, bitch? Like, what up? You know, like, we're just kind of like... We just air it out. And then it's like you recharge and you're like, okay, you know, I'm grounded again. So let's, let's go. I think if we do it right, we're evolving up until the moment we, we take our last breath, you know, like we're, that's when we're finally, okay, that's the level of consciousness you reached, you know, that's, that's what was, that's what you're allowed to reach with, with the, with the time you were given, you know.
0: So you just started a new decade of life. Where do you think yeah. this one's going to take you with your evolution? Where are you hoping this will evolve to? Well, I hope I make it out of it. <laughs> just
1: really to stay on the same path I'm on right now and to keep refining those practices of like, I want to make my home my castle, but I also want to make my home a place of community where people can come and and hang out and, you know, we can have a writing group or we could have a comedy show. And I, I just want to keep like building uh, these friendships that I've made with some, with some great people you know here in sacramento when my mom passed i toyed with the idea for about two months of moving back to bakersfield just to be closer to family and one of my friends i have a friend i have a couple of friends in sacramento who also grew up in in bakersfield i i saw one of them one day for lunch and the, and she was like there's no way you're doing that she's like there's no way i will let you do that it was it was good hearing it from her you know kind of grounding. I don't know. I might still, but who know? I mean, I can't rule anything out, but, uh, right now, like I really, I really love the, I mean, I'm looking forward to going and, and visiting my family in Bakersfield for Easter. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're doing a little, uh, run into Baja, California, uh, in late April with a handful of them. I'm really looking forward to that, of course, but I'm more, I'm also at just as much, Looking forward to the friendships with people that I've made up here, you know, Emily Peterson, Jackie Pearl, uh, Danielle, Danny DeLuca, you know, my, my friend, uh, my friend, Dana, you know, I, I just love these people so much. And like, I, I feel like I grow, like I grow emotionally every time I, I hang, I spend a day with them, you know.
0: You talk about making your home a place for community and part of community is food, at least for me. Yeah, So you, you talk about making a good cup of coffee. What's your secret for a perfect cup of coffee?
1: Man, your secret for anything is making it with love, right? (laughs) Filtered water, like good, clean water and the uh, grinding your beans fresh. Like, I mean, you could get regular grounds, right? But like the best cups, the cups that hit are if like, you just, you ground the beans that morning. And even when you grind the beans, like, you don't just like hold the grind down and just let them grind like you grind like two or three seconds. Stop, let the beans cool down. Grind two or three more seconds. Stop, let the beans. That that's that's the secret and um, good clean filtered water, and making it with love and uh, a clean cup.
0: <laughs> and are you a French press or a Chemex or a drip? What
1: I, what I I could, I'll do a French press, but uh, I just I just brew it in the in the coffee pot right now. But a lot of times in the afternoons when I just want one cup. I'll do a French press or if somebody's coming over in the afternoon, I'll do a French press.
0: So for food, what is a must have when you have people over?
1: Oh, I love, I love uh, making breakfast. Uh-huh. So like I will, I will make anyone an omelet or like, I will, I will, I will make a great breakfast anytime. But when people come over, I really like uh, showing off the food, the great food in the neighborhood that tacos has the best queso Bira tacos. This, uh, place right up the street with the drive-thru has like the best fried chicken ever. Uh Danny D was over here the other day and uh I was like, let's go get fried chicken for lunch. And like, she was like in a coma afterwards.
0: See, and now you got to get the name of it. So we can drop it for our listeners. Cause we do have a lot of listeners in SAC who will, who will want to know where there is good fried chicken, because I have not found great fried chicken in Sacramento. It's, a, it's
1: on Rayleigh's Boulevard and it's called like Tia. I can't remember what it's, it's not a crazy name, but they have a drive-thru is the best part. And, and they have the best fried chicken. I know it's good because like, I took my mom there and she was like, she doesn't like everything, but man, she loved that fried chicken. My sister loves it too. It's the best fried chicken.
0: And do you dip your fried chicken in anything?
1: No, no. Well,
0: I'll put hot sauce on it.
1: I'll put hot sauce on it. Yeah.
0: So if I our listeners want to find you and if they want to check out your stuff, if they want to check out your shows, your podcasts, all yeah. of that, give us the plugs.
1: So you could, okay. So like, if you want to find some comedy clips on YouTube, just search Jesse Rivera comedy, Sacramento pops right up. There's some clips of me at punchline, some clips of me uh, in Chico for the podcast, like on whatever podcast stream you use, you could just search Jesse Rivera likes to talk. And all of the top fives and all of the Jesser relics talk are under the same umbrella. Um, the last 100 episodes are posted. I think like 30 of them are archived now. The next phase will be to do a Patreon, right, so that you could have access to everything. Right now, the most recent 100 episodes are up, so you could find like you know the, all the top fives. Those are out there on all of the streaming platforms. So like as far as like my social media. JR. Two ill that one I kind of made tricky. I don't know why I made it so hard. JR. My initials Jesse Rivera, and then two ill like the number two and ill like the Beastie Boys. And Jesse Rivera likes to talk. Those are my Instagram feeds. I don't.
0: And then if they want to go to one of your shows, if they want to go to Dear Abby, WTF, or
1: yeah, the Dear Abby, WTF. The, those those are all housed like that's a stab comedy theater. So you just go to like Stab Comedy's website. They're also Stab Comedy Theater on Instagram or Stab Comedy Theater on uh, Facebook. And uh, Jesse Jones does an amazing job of like making it so easy for you to watch one of their shows. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend them. And uh, then Sacramento Comedy Spot, even though I'm not doing anything there right now, they've got some amazing performers and have always been in my corner as well.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck with the shows tonight. Oh, thanks, thanks. I look I'm, forward to I'm seeing rested. you. I'm
1: ready to go. I'm rested. I had I some good veggies for lunch. Uh, I'm good. Good. So I'm going to have some junk food after the yeah. show between Dear Abby. Definitely.
0: And now, a moment of gratitude. The friendships that I've
1: made doing comedy, those are those were the ones that like when the pandemic hit, and it was like really scary. Those were the people that like really kept me grounded, like the Aliadas, the the Tina San Lucas, the the Emily Petersons. You know, even like th- those were the ones that like you, but literally like held my hand through like some of the darkest, dark, and then not then when when the pandemic. Was kind of giving us a a a good life. Then like then my mom got sick, you know, and then that's when like you know the the Morgan Anderson and like Johnny Taylor and and, uh, and Alicia Davis, they all just like would reach out to me and just like we we got you know they helped me get through those like really really bad days, you know. Even still now, like I'll I'll uh, I'll send Morgan, um, who who kind of went through a very similar situation with her mom, like I'll send her a random text of like. This just fucked me up right now, and she'd be like, "I know, I get it, I get it." You know, because um, I guess what I'm what I'm really realizing right. I I remember thinking that I was ready, because like my mom was 82, right? And I remember like in the last five or six years, like thinking to myself, "Okay, she's obviously not going to be around another 20 years." I remember thinking that I had the right mindset that I was prepared for it. I remember thinking I'll be ready for it, and I'll be I'll be ready to let go, but I. And then people would tell me you're you're not. And I'd be like, no, you you don't you don't know me. I I am. Like because I I I kind of relate everything to like that I was able to quit math. And I was like, I walked away from that and I love that. So like I can walk away. like I can I can handle anything. Nah. And it was like it's only been like in the last couple of months that i am like, okay, I'm gonna grieve this for the rest of my life. I'm not ever gonna be over it. Uh there's always gonna be like a, a thorn there. So I'm grateful for those friendships that that carried me through, you know, and I just discovered during the pandemic, you know, Morgan's a really great friend and we actually met the last show that we got to do at punchline before everything shut down. Like we were on a show together and we're like, Oh, nice to finally meet you, you know? And like now two years later, like, you know, like after the pandemic and like after all of that and after me losing my mom like i was like wow like that's crazy like like you know you know you've helped me with so many things you know
0: The world. This has been an episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Fat Chicks on Top is produced and hosted by Auntie Vice. Audio production is by a serious production. You can find all information about Fat Chicks on Top at FatChicksOnTop.com and follow Auntie Vice at Auntie Vice on most social media.